With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome. Today we've got Trevor Carney and today we are going to be discussing how he was gang stalked by Disney and it's still going on right now and what he means by gang stalk. There's a lot of witchcraft involved in gang stalking. Now, just before we begin, you can subscribe to our Telegram channels and to nicholasfaniarmin.com for my free email updates. And if you're watching this for the first time on YouTube, I will leave the link below in the description for the full interview. Unless, of course, myself and Trevor can choose our words wisely due to the insane censorship that's happening right now. Trevor, thank you for joining me, sir. How are you and what have you been up to? Thank you, Nicholas. I'm good. Thank you. I'm good. Um, same as always, just following the circus like everybody else. We're currently on uh, season two of Tiger King with Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. So I'm watching just the, the silly stories that they put out there to tie everybody up and catch them up in new pop culture and pop, pop drama to um, keep us oblivious to what's really going on behind the scenes. Of course, and absolutely. Now, this is part two that we're doing. So for the viewers who haven't watched part one, you need to go back and watch part one about Trevor's story on how he became partners with the grandson, Nick, who's the grandson of Disney. His name is Nick. And um, you're saying now, Trevor, that you are currently still being stalked by Disney and the gang stalking is witchcraft. Would you like to tell us exactly really what's going on right now with you you being this victim of the deep state Disney and how it's affecting you, how you're being stalked and what witchcraft actually means? If you could explain that to the viewers, because some of them might not know, you know, at all what witchcraft is and they're watching this for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Um, so gang stalking is basically, um, you know, the, the, the Disney's and uh, uh, and other elites have been gang stalking me for 20 years now. And they basically come around you or get involved with you or pull you into situations and they play with your vibration and your frequency and, and, and your, um, uh, your will and your willpower. 
and uh, they kind of take you on a joyride, you know. Um, it's it's hard to explain, but like I've had so many crazy things happen to me throughout my life, and these things have always been around the the, the elites, or they pull you into something, and then after that, your life just starts to change. So I've been learning about the the gang stalking myself, but basically, when they put witchcraft on you, they like to watch how the witchcraft is taking a hold of your life. You know, they're messing with free will. So when they put a, a witchcraft spell on you, it, they're basically calling about a, um, a sequence of events to happen or, or, or try and charge your fate in, the, in a direction in which they would like it to go. They can also redirect your blessings to them. So anything that you put time into manifesting it literally boomerangs back off of you and to them. So at the moment, um, I've been dealing with a lot of that right now. Um, I've been um, realizing that there's a lot of witchcraft going on and, and getting an insight into what that was. And they've basically put a block on all of my blessings, all money coming to me. Sometimes people start talking to me and then all of a sudden they just kind of cold shoulder me. All my friends stop talking to me, my family. Um, even my dog, my dog has lumps all over him. My car is breaking down. My phone is smashed. You know, it's just all these things that keep happening. And what they're trying to do is get me into a lower vibration. So I can't see outside of the box and I can't get any, you know, any help from my guides and ancestors. They kind of cut you off to the universe. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I've been going through this for so long now that I'm used to it and I'm, I kind of just pick myself up and keep going and just laugh off all of this stuff. So how does a dark person um, perform witchcraft on you? And if your vibration is can be so high, possibly, or could be high, shouldn't your light deflect the, uh, the spell? It does. Personally, it does. It never gets me personally. But it gets people around me, it would get uh, things that belong to me, you know, but it actually doesn't get me. It never captures my heart, you know, it might frustrate me if my car is breaking down or my dog is sick and all these other things or I can't get any money to eat. Um, You know, that is one way of bringing down your vibe. But they also play out these uh, crazy scenarios and and things. Uh, One of the stories I wanted to touch on tonight was in 2010, Nick invited me very last minute to the premiere, the Hollywood premiere for Tron Legacy, the movie. It was um, it was playing in Hollywood in the Kodak's theater, which just so happens to be the Anunnaki's main theater in Hollywood. And it has all of their symbolism outside. But um, yeah, he came, picked me up from my house that night with two of his guys. And we drove over there. We had a few beers beforehand. And then we went in and he introduced me to all of his family. And um, it was a weird, it was a strange event, you know, because at one o'clock that day, let's say, I didn't even know I was going to to this, you know, Hollywood premiere event. And all of a sudden at, uh, you know, 6.30, I'm walking down the, the blue carpet. It was blue carpet in, um, in Hollywood, on Hollywood Boulevard. And um, Nick was introducing me to his family members and he has quite a big family and all of the family shows out for these premieres. 
So I, I got introduced to one of his uncles, Patrick Disney Miller, very big man, huge man. Uh, and, um, you know, we hit it off. We were talking. He seemed really cool. And then we went inside and I noticed that all of the family members had like, they had like medals and they had necklaces coming around them, kind of like something a Lord Mayor would wear. And it was, um, that was interesting. And then um, in the theater, all of the, you know, everybody else sat downstairs and I was sitting upstairs with the Disney family on the, you know, veranda and all around it. So we took up all of that space and um, we watched the movie and um, it was kind of a, a, a difficult movie to 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 track through it and at the end of it i was kind of thinking to myself what was that even about but we left and um we went to the after party after that then in the roosevelt hotel in hollywood and um so we were there for a while and it was a little bit flat you know there, there wasn't much of a vibe going there so um we decided to take patrick disney miller up on um an offer that he had given us to go and visit him at his hotel. He had the whole top floor of the Argyle Hotel in Hollywood, which overlooks, you know, LA and Hollywood. It's in the hills. Um, so we left that party and we went over to the Argyle. We get into the elevator. And we take the elevator up to the top floor and it was like the elevator went straight into the room, you know, there's no walking anywhere. And when we got there, Patrick was with um, a younger girl and she had pale skin, kind of, she was pale in complexion. Her hair was a little bit unkempt and she was wearing something really skimpy. And, um, you know, she looked young, like, like younger than 18, maybe even younger than 16. It's hard to tell because she was kind of low on weight. Her skin was kind of pale and her hair was a little bit unkempt as far as I was concerned. And even what she was wearing, it didn't look very modern or, you know, even sexy to me. But it was, it was, um, it was um, revealing. But um, that kind of shook me when I saw that. Would you, like, would you ask, is, is this your girlfriend or is this your niece? Would no. you? No, I kind of played, I played along, you know, I wasn't cool with it. And I think they noticed that, um, you know, I wasn't feeling comfortable in this room that I could feel something was out of place, which she did seem happy to be there. She, she, she was, you know, she was very chatty, and, um, but I felt uncomfortable and I think Nick felt that. And, uh, we kind of got out of there after about 20, 30 minutes and, um, as soon as we got into the elevator, I didn't say a word. And then we got downstairs and then Nick kind of just said to me, he said, she was a little bit young, wasn't she? And I said, do you think? And um, forget what we did after that. I think we went to a bar or whatever. But I remember after that, when I went home, um, I went home to my girlfriend at the time and I told her what had happened and what I had seen. And I was just sitting down at the end of the bed and I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, you know, and, and why would you, um, it, it, she was definitely younger than 18, hundred percent. Um, sorry. No, no, sorry. I cut you. 
Yeah, she was younger than 18, you know, and I, I, I sat with that for a long time and, and I was talking to my partner about it. And I was like, I didn't know what to do. I kind of, it was another one of these situations like the Getty Center and, and Lookout Mountain. And when, when they brought me to Lookout Mountain and they just so happened to show me a human holding cell for people in their house. And, you know, when I'm looking at all of these uh, coincidental uh, incidences that I've been around, you know, they, they kind of stop looking like coincidences and then they start looking like something else, like rele revelation of the method. Or, you know, if you had that stuff in your house or you had something that um, would be frowned upon by the public, then why would you just let somebody see that? You know, so that in itself is witchcraft, knowing that they're showing me something that's going to, they know, you know, these people are on adrenochrome. These people drink blood. These people are, you know, dark shamans. They know about people. They know people. They know psychology very well, you know. Um, so they would have known and they would have felt my vibe straight away and, and known that this wasn't sitting well with me. But after situations like that, somebody is left dealing with, should I do something about this? Should I have done something about this when it happened? What's going on from here? I wonder where that girl is now. I wonder, if, does he do this with anybody else? So it really shook me. And um, a few days after that, Patrick Disney Miller called me and he was asking me how I was. And maybe it was to feel me out to see how, you know, see how I was going to react over that. And um, he told me he had a, a, warehouse, a warehouse storage unit in San Dimas, which is just outside L.A. And he said it was full of cars and that um, I should go over there sometime and look at his car collection. And he had a few cars that maybe he'd want to do something with. But the, the conversation kind of fizzled out. We texted back and forth a few times. and I didn't really feel the need or the want to go be around him again. Because um, I felt like I was maybe being led into something. You know, when you're in these situations, there's so much going on and going through your head at the time that you don't really know which direction to take it. Do you, do you take an exit while you can or do you follow it and follow the white rabbit and see where it's going to lead? You know, so I've had a lot of these different different uh, interactions with people all over the world, different elites. But what I am finding is, is that all of these different elites that I know who have targeted me with the gang stalking are all connected to each other and they all know each other for sure. So when you said you was at this party and there was a young girl there, which she, you say she was probably under 18, maybe even 16. Yeah. Um, did you, sorry, did you recall that? Did you say that you had a conversation with her? Yeah, yeah. I spoke to her. I, I, I should probably clear up. Uh, I, with this, this, when we went back to his hotel, it was only us. So it wasn't a party. We were at the party before that. But when we went back, to his hotel it was just it was just him and this girl so when we walked in she was sitting on his lap as we walked in and like nice. i said he's a huge man like a very very big man and she was like you know a child sitting on his lap but she wasn't a child like she was a teenager but she wasn't old enough and it was just it was just myself nick two of nick's friends and uh disney and this girl so, so I wrote to her, like, she, she, she invited us in, asked us, did we want a drink or whatever, asked us how the premiere was. And that's what I was saying. Like, she seemed, she seemed like she knew him well and that, you know, the two of them got along. And 
But at the same time, knowing what I know now about the underground bunkers at the Getty Center and underneath, underneath Disney and that these people are really, you know, reptilians, then it would make sense if she had unkempt hair, she had pale skin and was underweight and was underage in a hotel in Hollywood on one of the top elites, then it doesn't take a rocket scientist to start putting this formula together and see it for what it is. So you was um, partners in, you know, business partners with Nick, who is the grandson of Disney, Walt Disney. What was his views on the adrenochrome and 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 the the underground bunkers when you spoke about this? What was his outtake on it? Was he? Do you think he was? He knew more than what he was telling you. Do you think he was playing two faced with you? Do you think maybe he was? on the good side, but he was just sucked into the bad side and he wished he hadn't been brought up in the bad side. What, what, what are your views on Nick? Yeah, really good question. Really good question, Nick. Um, well, Nick would have been born into this. So there's nothing else that he would know. Um, he did used to dress up as Johnny Depp in that movie Fear and Loathing and Las Vegas, which is about adrenochrome. So he, he had gone to quite a few um, um, uh, fancy dress parties dressed in that. Um, you know, like he's into his drugs and he's into uh, delicate de- delicacy drugs that are not like your mainstream market, just cocaine or any of that stuff. You know, they're into all these other drugs. Um, so I really don't know. He was definitely playing two-faced for sure, 100%. It was just the the only reason they invested in me in that business is because they knew around that time, like these people are shamans, like I said, dark shamans. They're they're, they're witches and warlocks. So they can check your Akashic record. They can check what's going through your head. They know. And if they don't know, they've got rooms full of psychics that work for them and the Vril and all these other things that we hear about. So when they track you, they're not tracking you through your phone. They're not tracking you through investigators or uh, cameras or laptops or phones or any of that shit. They're tracking you through the astral realm. And that's what Star Wars and Tron and all of these movies are about. They're about the astral realm. They're about magic. And, um, you know, for sure, he's connected into all of this. I know that him and his mom and a few others, their legacy and what they do is they keep the Walt Disney Museum alive which is in northern california and i'm pretty sure there's there's human sacrifice and that goes on in that place um sorry no no please there's just there's there's a lot of this stuff going on it's going Mm -hmm. on way more than people realize it's going on in people's towns people's villages it's it it starts from the top with the elites it goes from the elites to the banks and the media and the corporations and the government, all of those people are controlled by the people who run the propaganda and the people who run their commodities and the resources who are at the top of the food chain, like the Gettys and the Disney's. So, so all of these other names and all these conspiracies and all this other bullshit, it's just all, it's all background noise. It's all extra noise that nobody needs to focus on. Once you know the root cause of our problem is is that we have people drinking human blood, and when they do that, they get an insatiable taste for blood, and there's no going back. They also sell their soul, and they're getting into dark witchcraft. They've got a brotherhood going. 
you know, the Illuminati, the Freemasons, which are the gophers for the Illuminati. And once they get the taste for the, 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 the blood, there's no going back. They need that blood. So they end up slaves themselves to the Illuminati, who keeps track on all of the people to, um, you know, keep track of, you know, who's getting blood where so they can keep everybody a slave from the people who are being murdered and consumed to the people who are doing it. So knowing all of this, especially with Nick, um, how comes it didn't stop you going into partnership with him? I didn't know in the beginning about any of this stuff. I did see the, the stuff with Patrick Disney Miller. And I was like, you know what I've done for the last 15 years since all of this is like being, you know, since I've been really gathering my thoughts on all of this, I've just sat around trying to make excuses for them and, and, try and tell myself that I'm imagining this, that this is not real and that I only have bits and pieces of information, which I did. But now as everything is coming out, everything that I've been saying, and I've been saying this to people behind the scenes for 15 years, everything that I've been saying about them is, is, is real. It's real. I should have trusted my intuition. But back in the day, I was trying to do stuff about all of this stuff and nobody was listening. And um, when I went into partners with Disney, I didn't know this kind of stuff at that stage. I'd seen that girl. He'd also had his ex-girlfriend had been murdered and stuff like that. And, you know, they're, they're red flags, but they're not uh, they're not a, a book of, you know, interactions that, you know, could lead me to the door of vampirism. But since I became his business partner and since... I started to, you know, become more involved with him. I started to realize all this stuff. And then in 2016, I just dropped everything and I backed out and I never spoke to him again. Let's talk more about the Getty. Right. So the Getty family, uh, I had a story I wanted to tell about the Getty family. So if, if, if anybody has, has not watched part one, you can go back and watch part one of my interview with Nick and you will get more into, uh, information on uh my connection to the Gettys and how I ended up there. Also, I've done talks with Stephen D. Kelly and Lucas Mack on YouTube, and you can find those interviews there as well. I've done three with Lucas Mack, and I've done two with Stephen Kelly, so I don't have to keep telling the same stories again. So there's another thing that happened with Mrs. Getty. Eileen Getty hit me up one day, and she said that she just got out of Passages Rehab Facility in Malibu, and that... Um, she was going to donate an RV recreational vehicle, a motorhome to passages for passages to go out on the street and um, help homeless people. So they would pull up to Skid Row or Venice Beach or somewhere where there's a lot of homeless people, MacArthur Park, all in Los Angeles. And they would bring doctors there and that these doctors and nurses would uh speak to the people and try and get them into uh, uh, rehab, into treatment. So um, I said, okay. So she said, I'm going to leave you to deal with this with the main man from Passages, the guy who runs it. And I said, okay. And she just said, don't let him go crazy with the budget. She said, you, you watch the budget and you get me a good deal and get him something nice, but don't let him rip me off. So I said, okay. So I met him at... Uh, Galpin uh, Ford in Los Angeles. It's the biggest 
Ford dealership, I think, in Los Angeles. So there was a big array of, of uh, um, there was a big um, option list of RVs that we could find there. So I brought him in and, um, you know, he went for the biggest and the most expensive one straight away. And I said, well, that I was kind of told to keep around this range and blah, blah, blah. So I started looking at one of them. And uh, this guy was one of the most obnoxious fat pigs I had ever met in my life. He didn't seem to get, so I was talking about setting this thing up so it was comfortable and, you know, it was, it was, it was set up nice. So when people got in, it was, you know, it wasn't so sterile like a hospital. It was a bit more warm, you know, and he didn't care about any of that. He said, these people are pieces of shit. He said, these people are, are the walking dead. He said, they don't have a life. He said, uh, they're lucky that we're even showing up there to help them and this kind of stuff. Um, so myself and himself didn't hit it off to say the least. And um, I ended up calling her to tell her that, you know, this guy's an absolute arsehole. I don't really particularly want to deal with him. And um, I believe myself and himself parted ways that day. I don't think I finished the deal. And um, But what I started to realize after that, you know, was that, hold on a second, you know, first time I went to the Getty's house, there was an ambulance there that they were using. And what were they using the ambulance for? And now all of a sudden they want an RV to go to homeless shelters and pick up homeless people. And these homeless people won't have anybody looking for them if they go missing. It was, it was quite obvious to me, you know, that something nefarious was going on. But back then I didn't know about blood. I didn't know about that. I didn't realize that until 2020 with everybody else when, when it started coming out and the pedophilia. So um, it's stuff that's been, these stories are things that I've, I've gathered along the way and there's a lot more of these stories. Uh, but they're stories that I've gathered along the way where I knew something was wrong, could feel something was wrong, but, but couldn't prove it and also didn't know what it was that was the, the thing that I didn't know. But it's vampirism. That's what it is. It's vampirism. You know, they put off, they 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 do these false flag events, like um, that Ariana Grande concert in Manchester in the UK, where they, you know, supposedly a bomb went off, and then all of a sudden they were asking people to go to blood shelters and donate blood because there was victims who had lost blood. But much as you're you're in the UK, I was in the UK at the time. We, we ended up hearing that there wasn't even much damage done, but, you know, of course there was no damage done. It was a drive to get blood. And there's a lot of this stuff going on. They, they, they create massive false flag events. Some of them are real and some of them are not. And some of them are, they start them off as a false flag and then the public get involved and then all of a sudden you've got a real issue going on. But these are all started by Freemasons and the kings of the Freemasons are the Gettys and the Disneys and these other... Top elite families. Trevor, let me ask you this. Um, we all know the viewers, and I'm just going to repeat the process that for those who are watching for the first time, um, adrenochrome is a drug that the elites use. Adrenochrome is extracted from the blood, which the blood produces only. It produces adrenochrome in the blood only when the person is being tortured. Um, you, and if it's a you know a young girl or, or, a, or a young child, um, the higher the fear when they're being tortured, the more potent 
the adrenochrome, the more rich it is. And they get high off this and it's very expensive. And as we know, however, when we're speaking about donating blood, how are they benefiting from that if they're just receiving the blood without the person being tortured? What are they doing with the blood? There are two different things. Like, like I don't know about any of this stuff. I've never even seen any of this. I've never seen any blood around. I've never seen any adrenochrome around. But from what I hear is that, you know, the blood will give them the extrasensory abilities and they need the blood to drink. But the adrenochrome is, is another level. I think they're just two different levels of the same kind of a drug. Um, I'm really not sure. I'm not sure, mate. I'm not sure. But I have been around these people and I kind of see how they are. And it's kind of like they're on um, cocaine, but like a, um, a psychedelic kind of a, a cocaine. I don't know if you've ever done DMT or ayahuasca, but when you do DMT and ayahuasca, it opens up your pineal gland and you can see with your third eye. And I think they have an infusion of that. And the reason they attack our food and, and attack us by dropping chemtrails and even our clothing is attaching, uh, attacking us right now with chemicals in our clothing uh, going into our into our pores, they do that to dumb us down so they're on a, a stronger consciousness. So they always have the upper hand. They're always thinking faster, thinking stronger, thinking further, you know? Is that why they tell the youngsters today, YOLO, you only live once? so that they don't have to worry about the important things in life and just to make them feel that, you know, don't care, just get on with it, do what you make, do what makes you happy. You only live once, basically. What, what do you think? Because YOLO, you only live once, is such a mainstream thing. I mean, I would assume lots of money has been thrown or funded to that. What do you think? Well, well, words cast spells, right? Okay. So they're, currently they're trying to get people to rinse the last bit of soul that they have in them out of them. And, and like with the loose, you know, I've been attacked lately. Like recently I've been attacked really heavily because now I'm stepping out and I'm speaking on them, doing all these interviews and I'm saying real shit that's, you know, really hitting them in a, in a, in a sore spot and a soft spot because I know about this stuff and they, they have me shadow banned on Instagram, Facebook, they've blackballed me with people I have been in business with for years, you know, they're shooting witchcraft at me and my family to break us apart, keep people away from each other, but they're not just doing this to me, they're doing it to the world right now, but they're, they're you know, they're, they're, I'm getting the special treatment, but, um, you know, how deep is the ocean on this stuff? They're also using, you know, there's another elite from Iceland that I've spoken about um, who's, who's part of this. And um, he told me one night that he had eaten human flesh. And I was like, okay. And I was like, where did you get the human flesh for it? And he said at the cannibal club in Los Angeles. Now this was, this was a few years ago. We were like drunk in a taxi when he said this to me. And I was like, and I was said. Like, so where did they get the meat from then? Like the restaurant got the meat from somewhere. Where did the fucking meat come from? And he just, he just, he was looking at his phone and he just goes, I don't know. I said, what do you mean you don't know? And then it was kind of, I think somebody interjected then and we kind of reared off it. But like that guy that I'm talking about, his name is Frederick Oliverson. His dad's name is Jan or John Oliverson. He's the Richard Branson of Iceland. He used to own all of the media in Iceland. 
He also owns uh, Icelandic Glacial Water. He owns uh, a vodka company called Helix Vodka, and Helix is our DNA strand. He also owns a music festival called Secret Solstice. The solstice is when the, the, the winter and the summer solstice is when, you know, magic is heightened and when these uh, sacrifices happen. And these people are all connected to the Getty family. They're connected to uh, all these Hollywood elites. I was speaking to Fred one day, who's a friend of mine. You can hear about this on my other on the other interviews that I've, I've directed you guys to because it's a long story. I've gone into it deeper in that. But one night I was with him on the couch. The two of us were watching TV. And um, I had heard a rumor that Fred was into um, child porn. And uh, so knowing this, um, it was around the time that Ricky Gervais had let the Oscar uh, um, audience have it about pedophilia. Mm -hmm. So I, I put it on the TV and uh, while well, he was sitting with me and I, he was on the phone and I said, have you seen this? I said, he's going in on pedophiles. He said, good for him. And uh, he just looked up at it and he said, yeah, yeah, I've seen it. And I said, what do you think of all of this? You know, I was kind of, I was, I was, I was priming him. And uh, he looked up at it and he said, uh, he said, I know I was there. I said, you were where? He said, I, I was at the Oscars. I was, at, I was there when he did this. I said, hold on a second. I said, you've been back here for a week. I was in Iceland at the time. I said, you've been back in Iceland for a week from America. And you didn't tell me in the whole week that we've spent together that you were at the Oscars. And he just said, it's just another event, isn't it? So I was like, why would you not tell anybody about that? Also, one of his friends is telling me that they are the Anunnaki. So Fred is up there, way up there with these elites, but I'm sure he's one of his one of their bitches. I don't know. But I'm pretty sure that the Getty family sent him to keep me busy. So I did not speak out publicly about them. But while I was doing that, I was finding out stuff about him and his family. And they're definitely attached to the Illuminati because they sold their media empire to the uh, Illuminati in the 90s or the early 2000s. So the media is all been bought up by these Talmud Jews and these blood drinkers. And, you know, Fred and his family have been very comfortable since then and they've been rubbing shoulders with the elites of all the world since then but they're telling me they've told me that they are the Anunnaki and that they uh, can speak to each other psychically and telepathically they're into witchcraft they're into uh, you know dark shamanism they're, they're they're they do black magic basically and that's that's what's gotten them to where they are is they do black magic and a Hegelian dialect where they, they get people working for them or involved with them and then they start beating them down spiritually, trying to make them think that they're, you know, more than them. So so uh, before we get into the Anunnaki, which is which you just mentioned, which is very interesting, um, do you believe that Fred, you know, did not disclose to you that he was at the Oscars that week because he was ashamed and he did not want to expose himself of that you know, speech that Ricky made. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Right. He his one of his friends called me over to his house. Or he, or he came over to my house. Sorry, one night for a few beers. And um, Fred owns a music festival in Iceland and another one in Lake Tahoe. And I believe he's working on another one in Tulum, in Mexico. But I haven't spoken to him now in like a year because I I actually confronted him about all this. But anyway, um, his friend 
came over to my house and he said, look, he said, I need to talk to you about something. And I, I've wanted to talk to you about this for a while. And he said, do you remember when we were in L.A. and we had a, a music festival going and there, there was a big fallout in our friend's circle? And I said, yes. I said, but I don't I wasn't involved in it. I didn't know what was going on. I was like, tell me, tell me what happened. And he said, well, somebody went on Fred's laptop and they found a ton of child porn on his laptop. So when he said that to me, you know, the, the two of us had been drinking and stuff, you know? And so I was thinking about, I was looking at him. I was, I was like, whoa. And he said, uh, and Fred's only young at this stage. Fred was like 32, maybe 33, maybe younger. And uh, Jan said to me, he said about the, the porn. And I was like, so I said, young, like child porn, how I said, like, 16-year-old, 17-year-old, 15-year-old, 14? He said, he said, no, Trevor, this was babies. And he said, and it was rough. It was violent. So I, I, this was all absolute ton of bricks dropped on top of me. I didn't know if he was on fucking drugs or he was drunk or, or what. I didn't know. I didn't know. And then, so I sat with that and um, I had mentioned it to a few of Fred's friends and they kind of pulled back. But then when I was in Iceland, I out and just fucking said it to a few of his other friends and they, they suggest that happened, that happened. And that his parents were supposedly going to put him into rehab and get him help because he was looking at this child porn. But I don't think he was looking at it. I think he was involved in it. Well, it's really bad. I mean, I hope something is done, something about this. It has to happen. Something has to be done about it. Now, we've all watched all these documentaries. We're watching all these memes. We're sharing these videos on our Instagrams every day and our TikToks and on our Facebooks, but we're doing nothing about it. We're still divided as, as, as a collective consciousness. And the only way for us to deal with this is if we come together in unity for a common cause, which is to look after children who are going missing and homeless people who are going missing, the forgotten ones. And these people who run these in these elite circles who run this world, run have been running our world into the ground to create more homeless people, to create more children that end up in uh, child protective services so they can be predators and get their hands on them. They're also using the children for blood sacrifices to the earth and to Lucifer, and to Moloch. So the blood is not just being drink, drank, it's being used for witchcraft. Body parts of these children are not all being consumed. They're also being used for witchcraft. So with the bits and pieces of the information that I've gathered from over the year, that's, that's given me enough of a platform to get out and ask questions and do research. And it's leading me to all the right places. But I don't think that they've been showing me any of this stuff by accident. I believe they've been showing me on purpose. And it's like a network of people showing me little pieces here and there. But when you pull all of that stuff together, it, it paints a very clear picture. It paints a clear picture of an extraterrestrial race. We can call them extraterrestrial. Extraterrestrial means more land. But they're interdimensional uh, beings from another dimension 
a lower frequency than ours. And the only way that they got into our frequency was by lowering our vibration. And the only reason they're, or the only way they're keeping us there is by keeping our vibration low. So here we are with a great awakening and we're starting to build our vibration up. And now all of this talk is coming out about kids and about sacrifice and stuff like that, which is also lowering our vibration. So how do I know and how do we know that this is not all a part of their plan? I don't know. I'm out and I'm speaking my truth so I can get my truth out there so I don't have to carry it anymore. And I have more people who are in the position that I'm in who can step out and say, that story resonates with me. I've had uh, similar experiences. I've seen similar stuff or I've actually seen the actual event take place. They're sacrificing. So I, I need more proof that it's going on. But, you know, my gut told me straight away the day I saw that, that cell in the Getty's house the first time, my, my intuition and my guides and ancestors got in my ear and told me that I was around some really heavy, shady shit. But it's taken the goods of 15 to 20 years for that to roll out into the vision of what it is right now. And also for people to be receptive to my message and be willing to speak to me about very serious, real things that happened to me and that are currently happening to me. So what's the difference between the consciousness of a reptilian and an Anunnaki? And when you say that they're here in human form because they reincarnate here, does that mean that the Anunnaki still exist on another dimension right now or probably or maybe on a different galaxy? Well, they're here because this is, this is a prison planet for them. They can't leave. They're stuck here. Um, they're human, just like you and me. They look like the, the shape-shifting, from what I can gather, that people talk about is they will shape shift as in their personality will change and a whole another personality will come out. And they'll call that duality, light and dark. They're very nice, but they're also, uh, they're not. And they're, they're fucking drama. They're liars. They're cheaters. They're frauds. They steal, they rob, rape, steal, and maim people across the planet. They're just of a lower consciousness. They look like you and me, but they're not as tough as us humans. They don't have the balls that we have. They have to do everything that they do in the shadows and in the dark and between their web of dark entities. And, and I think when they drink the blood, I think there's no way back. You're in, you know, that movie, The Lost Boys, you know, you're into that, you're into a different dimension of space and time in your head, but you're standing here with us, just like you and me, but your mindset and your, your drive in life is completely different to ours. You, they want to see death, destruction, and they want to consume everything that is good, that we love. You know, there's another guy that I talked about as well that his name came up in Iceland. He's an actor. His name is Ezra Miller. He's one of these C-list actors in Hollywood. Well, I heard that he was in Iceland, which is super satanic. Iceland has a lot of this stuff there, right? Um and he was in Iceland and he was taking girls on dates and bringing them back to his house. And he was sacrificing kittens in That's rituals. Scary. So that is absolutely disgusting, terrible. Disgusting. Disgusting. Well, what's the difference between an Anunnaki and a reptilian? The, the Anunnaki are reptilians. So you're, it's your reptilian brain, right? So a reptilian brain is your... Uh, your warlike tendencies. Everybody's got light and dark in them. And, um, 
but they they look different to us. They act different to us. They're, they're supposed to be here longer than us. They can't manifest. They can only steal, you know, they can only take yeah. other people's energy and other people's creativity. They don't have any of that themselves. They're here. They have a completely different existence here on earth, you know, and they work together and they've got this telepathic thing going. So, you know, I know they go to the Freemason lodges and they link up with each other there and they do stuff there where they rape the kids and they drink the blood there. But I don't think that's where they talk. I think they can talk wherever they go. The same way as all of us starseeds now that are starting to rise. I'm, I'm speaking to psychic starseeds every day that are just, you know, pulling the words out of my head and vice versa. We're able to speak to each other in a, in a different way. But the only reason these these people have been able to do what they're doing is because they've brought the vibe so low on planet earth and driven a wedge, wedge, W-E-J, Jew, wedge between us where we don't interact with each other anymore. We're not even talking to our family members anymore. We're not talking to our cousins. We're not talking to our neighbors we grew up at anymore. Therefore, information is not being disseminated about very real things going on in our, in our communities. So nobody's doing anything about it. The police are 100% fully involved. They're the front line for everything. The, the hospitals are fully involved. The doctors are fully involved. All of these people have signed oaths, all of them. They can't open their mouth. Just like the Scientologists, they've signed billionaire-year billionaire contracts. And those, those contracts transfer over into your new vessel when you reincarnate in here. The Vatican and the Freemasons and the... And the uh, the Mormons and all of this, they're all part of the same cult. All of them are on a different level and they know who every soul is on planet Earth down to the, the, the homeless guy living in a homeless shelter or under a bridge. They know who everybody is. So we're walking around disassociated and cut off from each other, but they're not. And they're the ones creating it and they're thriving in this environment because we don't have any unity. Mm -hmm. So we need to step up and step forward now and bring our, our human family back together and protect each other and, and stand back and observe for a minute and see where the evil is coming from. We can't interact with it. We can't. We, if we go to war with these people, then we're going to get lost. They will just mesh into that crowd of people and nobody will ever know who they were. But if we take a back seat for a second and we stand back and we watch who they are and what they're doing, then we can we can singular singularly point out who these people are. Like the people who are building the, the prisons in the UK right now, these FEMA camps, all these people, all these ambulance drivers, they're all fully involved. All these a detective. What does a detective do? It goes out and detects crimes, goes out looking for crime, goes out looking for people to fuck with. The police are going out and looking for people to victimize on a daily basis, but telling you that it's all for your safety. So if they see you driving down the road with no seatbelt on, especially in L.A., right? If you get pulled over in L.A., there's a chance that you could get shot and killed on the spot. And that, could, that, that applies to everybody because these cops are out of control across the board, across the world. Any country, take your pick. They're out of control. And there's, I can I can see the demons in people now because I've been around them for so long. You, you kind of get to know when they switch. And it's when the switch comes that you're like, there's something different there. And it, what it is, is it's like, it's like this friendly face that they're showing to you kind of pulls back 
And then all of a sudden, another place comes forward, and that's the demonic part of them. And when that kicks in, they don't give a fuck about anybody anymore. They don't care about anymore, anybody anymore. They're working for the demon, or the demon's working through them. And then they're off to the races with that stuff. But it's going to take all of us to come back together for us to surround them and subdue them and put them somewhere where they cannot do this to us anymore. We need to bind them with magic. We need mm-hmm. to physically get our hands on them and put them somewhere so they cannot cause any more damage. You know, my heart goes out to some of these people who were born into this because they could have been something different if they weren't initiated into this at an earlier date. But unfortunately, where they're at now is they've an insatiable thirst for blood and destruction. And they're part of a death cult, which is what David Icke's been telling people for 30 years. And he's on point. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't trust a lot of the truth community. I'll be very, very honest with you. And that's why I'm very... I'm very apprehensive about who I speak to and and I've got my message to put out there and I'm not trying to take on other people's messages and start getting involved in their version of the truth and their reality. I'm out here to tell people about my reality and what I've learned and what my truths are and, 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 and hopefully gather a crew of people together that are willing to do something about this. Like the starseeds. I'm a starseed. I came here to take over this world, not to to take part in this world. And that's happening. That's going to happen. And all of these elites know this. And that's why they pull in the starseeds into one of their, you know, avenues of, of, of deception. You know, with me, they had to pull me into their families and they had to shower me with, you know, love and make me feel like I was one of them to deceive me because I'm not overly interested in any of the other stuff, you know? Absolutely. But Trevor Carney, it's been an absolute honor to have you once again. And I'd love to do a part three. And thank you so much for, you know, doing that presentation for us and us answering those questions and your experiences with us. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to the viewers before we finish? Just that, um, you know, since I've stepped out against these people, the actual people who run the world, they've made my life you know, as hellish as possible. You know, they've cut me off from making money. They're 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 attacking me with witchcraft, my dog, and everything. And um, so funds are are non-existent right now, and and they 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 come and they go straight away. So if anybody could find it in their heart to 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 PayPal me, I would really appreciate it. Every little bit helps. My PayPal is fastfactorytrev at gmail.com. You can also find me on Facebook, Trevor Carney. I'm banned right now from sharing through, but if you add me in 30 days, I'll be able to uh, interact with you. And then also on Instagram, my Instagram is aka underscore trev underscore k at gmail, or no, no, underscore k um, underscore one. So, and then... um, if you want to watch any of the rest of my interviews, you can find them on Stephen D. Kelly's YouTube channel and also on Lucas Max's YouTube channel. And I also have part one with you. So there's more There's more of the story in there. I don't want to waste my time repeating the same stories because there's more stories that I need to get out there. So I'm trying to make my way through them right now. Well, you're doing a fantastic job, Trevor, and I'm so happy to have you and to learn from you and and the viewers also learn from you. Uh, Again, thank you so much. Um, Carry on doing what you're doing and we'll speak again very soon. God bless you. Thank you, Nick. And thank you, everybody else for watching. Thank you.